Pastor Mark Joe here on Moody Presents. The greatest challenge that I believe that we face today is the declining passion of the people of God because our image of this holy, omnipotent God has shrunken to a manageable size that culture and we seem to be very comfortable with. Remember the classic movie, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? It's pretty funny for kids, but what if we actually do that to our faith? Welcome to Moody Presents, featuring the Bible teaching of Dr. Mark Job. He's the president of Moody Bible Institute and founding pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. I'm John Geiger, and today we're glad to have you along because we're kicking off a brand new series that looks forward to Founders Week, the annual Bible conference sponsored by Moody Bible Institute, where we bring together some of the greatest Bible teachers in the country today, all gathered together under one roof for sessions with Moody students and outside guests and broadcast as well on Moody Radio, seen online, and there's a whole lot more to that piece of the puzzle as we get further into the broadcast. What I want to draw your attention to is today's theme. Uh, It takes us to Revelation chapter 2. Rekindling Our Spiritual Passion is the title that Pastor Mark has given to today's message, and I think it's an important word. I'll get out of the way here, and let's listen now to Pastor Mark Job on Moody Presents. I am deeply indebted to this institution, this Bible college. It's this school that actually brought me to Chicago, the city that I minister in right now and love so greatly. It was at this school that I received the most incredible gift of my life, which is my wife. And she's right there in the front row. Fifteen out of our 28 pastors are graduates from this place, Moody Bible Institute. And to top it off, I actually have a son Josiah Job, who's a senior, yeah, who's a senior at this school. And he recently told me, Dad, you know, when I entered Moody, I thought I knew a lot about the Bible and about theology. And Moody has taught me how little I know about the Bible and about theology. I'm so glad I came. I believe that one message, one message can change the destiny of a person's life. And this evening I'm here not to give you a lengthy Bible teaching, but I'm here to bring a word of God for you. I was 19 years old, trying to wrestle through what I wanted to do with my life looking at the options, a little bit confused. And I was sitting, I think, right over there in this very auditorium at 19 years old. And there was a preacher up here that said God like no other man I have heard say God like God. (laughs) His name is Erwin Lutzer right there. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, I, I, I can't be in this place without saying Pastor Lutzer, thank you so much for years of service. You ministered to my heart and so many other people in this place. Thank you, brother. Thank you. But it was in this auditorium that I remember having a glimpse of eternity, and God spoke to my heart deeply and powerfully that night. And I remember walking to the dorm 
1502 Colbertson Hall, on my own, just captured, I know someone is in that room, uh, <laughs> captured by the sense of eternity in my life and knowing that whatever I do, I want to make sure that it counts for eternity. Amen. The theme of Founders Week this year is no one like him. I love that theme. I believe that we're facing a monumental challenge in the culture in which we live in today. There is a shrinking, a defacing, a repackaging of God in our culture. culture culturally, we're battling the resolve of the general population that's really telling us that our God is like all other gods. Our culture is not comfortable with the God that the Bible talks about. Our culture is comfortable with pocket-sized gods. They're okay with our God, but they want our God to be a little G-God. They want our God to line up with the rest of the little gods, to stand in line and to say that he is equal to all the rest, not superior, not greater, but equal of value. And I've noticed something, they're not trying to erase him from our culture, but they're trying to stuff him in a manageable, convenient, safe, religious box, rebranding him, a tamed version of God, one that gets in line with all the other gods. And I've noticed something very interesting with the shrinking and repackaging of God in our culture, that there seems to be a collateral effect on the worshipers of God, including the Christian church. It seems like as the image of God shrinks more and more, it seems like the spiritual passion declines in direct proportion to the shrinking of our God. There is a portrait in Spain, the country that I grew up in. It's called Sanctuary of the Mercy Church in Borja, Spain. It's a fresco that was painted in 1930 by a Spanish painter named Elias Garcia. He gave the painting the Latin name Ese Homo, which means behold the man. So this painting that existed in this small church in northern Spain, over time there was a leaky roof and it began to damage the image of the face of Jesus on the painting. So, a few years ago, just in 2012, a well-meaning amateur painter in her 80s got permission from the priest in the town to be able to touch up the painting of Jesus. And the results were horrific. Actually, the locals now call the new painting the Jesus Beast. Uh, those of you that are on radio can't see this, but it's pretty atrocious. It's this Jesus that looks like sort of an ape person, painted with all good intention by this woman trying to fix the image of Jesus. Yeah, you see it. It's a gross distortion of the original version of Jesus. And I believe the same thing has happened in our culture that we have repainted the original face of Jesus to try to make it 
look good, but in the process, we've distorted, grossly distorted the image of the real Jesus. And in the process, the passion of the people of God continues to decline. It was pollster George Gallup that conducted a survey of 13,000 people throughout the world in 130 countries. It's the only time that the Gallup poll actually has undertaken such an extensive survey. And in this survey, they discovered that people that no longer go to church had a reason. They were asked in 130 countries, one question, what would need to happen for you to return to church? The number one answer was this, passion in the lives of the members and leaders. You see, I'm absolutely convinced tonight that the greatest challenge that the church faces is not the encroachment of secularism. The greatest challenge that we face is not other religions that are prospering in this country. The greatest challenge is not political, it's not educational, it's not economic. That the greatest challenge that this country faces are the passion of the church of the living God. The greatest challenge that I believe that we face today is the declining passion of the people of God because our image of this holy, magnificent, omnipotent God has shrunken to a manageable size that culture and we seem to be very comfortable with. And so as we think of the theme, no one like him, I'd like for you to turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2 as we look at verses 1 through 6. These verses are directly given towards a group of people that had started out with spiritual fervency, great passion. But over the years, I'm convinced that they lost their compelling original vision of God and consequently, they walked away from the zeal and passion that they once had. A.W. Tozer's famous statement, what comes to our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I believe that so many of us have lost our passion, and I ask you this question, how is your passion tonight? Seriously, your zeal, your fervor, your hunger, your desire for the living God. Revelation chapter 2, verse 4 through 5, the Spirit of God speaks to one of the seven churches of Revelation. And he says to them, I hold something against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. I want to give you tonight three steps to rekindling your spiritual passion. Simple but challenging. Number one, the Spirit of God says to the church of Revelation, remember, choose to recall when your heart was in a better place. Consider how far you've fallen. We quickly forget our former state. A couple of years ago, I decided that I was going to try to get in shape in my cardio. 
And so I started running on the treadmill. And I was engaged in multitasking. As I was running on the treadmill, I decided I'm going to put my headphones on, put my select the right iTunes, and I started listening to Jesus culture as I was worshiping on that treadmill. And I thought I'm going to multitask. I'm going to get my heart in shape and my spiritual heart in worship with God. It seemed really a good idea. As I was running on the treadmill, I was getting so into the worship that I decided, hey, I got the running part down. I'm just going to close my eyes as I worship God and run on this treadmill. I got my rhythm down. I'm just going to close my eyes. And I was really getting into the worship until I made a misstep. All I remember is that I fell forward and that little conveyor belt kind of plopped my body in front of all the other people working out in the gym. I tried to recover, but it was impossible. No way to fake, like I was trying to tie my shoe. I tell you, I got up, started running again, but I remembered where I had fallen from. I remembered where I fell from because it was immediate, it was obvious, it was the moment. But there's a fall that's a lot more difficult to grasp. It's the fall that happens gradually. When our descent is gradual, our memory needs to be jolted into recalling how we once were. Today on Moody Presents, we've begun a countdown to Founders Week, the annual Bible conference from Moody Bible Institute that so many people have come to enjoy over the years. Now, as you've been listening today to Pastor Mark, you should know that this is a Founders Week message from a number of years ago. Maybe you picked that up from some of his illustrations and comments. But here's the thing. Every one of us needs to rekindle our spiritual passion. And there's more to this message after I remind you that Founders Week is coming February the 1st through the 4th. This is, again, a week-long Bible conference that you can either listen to via Moody Radio on many of these stations. Our evening sessions are all live. You can also watch it online. Our complete conference schedule, Who Speaks When, is available right now at foundersweek.org, foundersweek.org. All right, let's get back to today's message with Pastor Mark, one of his previous Founders Week messages. Based in Revelation chapter 2, we're looking at rekindling your spiritual passion. Here again is Pastor Mark Job. You see, when something happens immediately and fast, it's obvious to everybody. But what I'm concerned about is that gradual decline that no one notices, that slow but steady decline of our passion that we don't really aren't really aware of because it seeps in quietly, slowly. It's unnoticeable. No one really reminds us about it. Things stay virtually the same, but there's a gradual dissipating of our passion that's occurring. How far had they fallen? Well, the Spirit of God reminds the church in Ephesus how far they had fallen. It says in verse 2, I know your deeds your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate the wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Wow, they sound like spiritual giants. These sound like strong spiritual Christians 
pillars of the Christian community, people that you and I would want to lead small groups or have in Sunday school or make associate pastors. I mean, these sound like strong, doctrinally focused guardians of the faith, making sure that no heresy would invade their, their church. They've persevered, they've worked hard. These are strong believers, apparently. I value the power of doctrinal purity and sound theology. They were doctrinally sound and spiritually responsible. They had battled for sound doctrine, which is a battle today. And I appreciate that about Moody Bible Institute. I was picked up by a young pastor at a conference that I was speaking at, and I could tell right away he was from a liberal background. He found out I was from Chicago, and so he said, hey, are you connected at all with Moody? I said, well, some. <laughs> he said, well, I really don't like them. I said, well, why is that? He said, well, they are so divisive and controversial. They still use terms like saved and born again, like some are and some aren't. They still insist on referring to God as he in the masculine form. They are adamant about the fact that marriage is between one man and one woman. They are so backwards and divisive, he said to me. Needless to say, we had an interesting conversation back to the airport. <laughs> but I like the fact that Moody has remained solid in its theology. The professors have dug in to teach solid, biblically grounded, orthodox Christianity to the students that are here. Let's give it up for the professors, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yet, I want us never to forget, and I speak it to myself as well to, as to all the students that are here and all the faculty, that we can be militant defenders of the faith, yet lousy lovers of Jesus. Never forget that doctrinal purity is not the same as passionate spirituality. Never forget that this is about a person, not about simply manuscripts that talk about a person. This is about a relationship with the living God. This is about keeping our relationship and our passion hot for God. Because the author of Revelation says to the church through the Spirit of God, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Notice he doesn't say you have lost the love. We lose our keys. Some of us lose our mind. He says not that you lost, you have left, forsaken, abandoned, walked away from it stresses an act for which one is personally responsible, not something that happened to us, but something that we allowed to happen, something that we were a part of happening. 
How far had they fallen? Well, if you read Acts chapter 19, you'll see this phenomenal explosion that happened in the city of Ephesus. It was the epicenter of a powerful move of God. I mean, the city of Ephesus housed the great temple of Diana that was one of the wonders of the world. It was the center of mystical cult worship, and they had been rocked to their core. Uh, Read it, Acts chapter 19, when you get a chance. Uh, People were being touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. They were, uh, the, the handkerchief and apron from Paul was actually healing people that were sick. The witches and sorcerers were taking all of their scrolls and paraphernalia and putting it in piles and burning it as they turned away from it. There was a riot in the city as the union organizers were afraid that their business of selling idols was coming to an end because so many people were coming to Christ. I mean, it makes D.L.'s Moody Crusade look like a junior high camp. This was a powerful explosion that riveted a city to its very core. And yet, five years later, the Apostle Paul in 60 AD, he pins the book of Ephesus while he's under house arrest in Rome, and they're still doing well. He reminds them about their love and not forgetting God, but they're doing well. The church is growing. People are coming to Christ. They're sound. But now 35 years later, the church has changed. There's a different story. Their doctrine is still correct. They've hung in there. They fought heresy. But something so grievous to the heart of God has occurred that he says, if this doesn't change, we're going to snuff out the lamp of this church. You see, momentary passion is not noteworthy. It's sustained passion for anything or anyone is always highly uncommon. Anybody can have a flash of passion in relationships with God. It's sustained passion that's difficult. No, I'm not going to accept this as normal. I'm not just going to say, well, that's just the way life is. Passion wanes. I'm going to challenge my loss of passion. I'm going to turn away from it. I'm going to repent of it saying, God, this is not the state that you have chosen that I live in. And I'm reaching out to you, God. That you would stir up a heart inside of me that is not satisfied with crumbs from your table, but wants to dine with you, and wants all of you, God, wants a heart that once again breathes with holy discontent and passion for the living God. And then a determination, a commitment to say, I'll start doing what I did at first even when it's hard, even when I don't feel like it, even when when the feelings aren't there because feelings do not run my life, I will do the practices and let the passion catch up with me. We've been enjoying part one of a message that Pastor Mark Job originally presented at a Founders Week conference some years ago. And if you're new to the idea, Founders Week is 
kind of what it says it is, a week to commemorate our founder, Dwight Moody. And to celebrate, we bring in Bible teachers from across the country and have a great old time learning, growing together, worshiping together. And you can be a part of it, by the way, as you listen online or watch online. Complete information is available at foundersweek.org. You'll find a link there at our website, moodypresents.org. And speaking of Founders Week, there's a great tool we want to introduce you to known as moodyaudio.com. Well, at moodyaudio.com, you can search for speakers and messages from Founders Week. You'll find audio from our men's conferences, women's conferences, pastors' conferences, marriage conferences, even audio for kids, all at moodyaudio.com. Listen, as we move into this new year, let me challenge you to become a part of the supporting team that makes this teaching possible. There's no accident about Moody Presents. No, there's no accident that you're hearing it. It's been planned and it's been paid for. There are costs associated with bringing you this teaching that you rely on week after week, month after month. And we invite you again to be part of the team that puts it all together, makes it possible with your generosity. Could I suggest you consider becoming a monthly partner? Easy to do that at moodypresents.org. You can't miss the button there. And when you become a monthly partner, giving at, say, $30 a month or more, you'll enjoy a 50% discount from every book in the Moody Publishers catalog. Wow, what a great benefit. And of course, you're helping us keep this teaching going. So become a monthly partner at moodypresents.org. We have taken just one step in this message that Pastor Mark has titled, Rekindling Your Spiritual Passion. There are two more to go, and we're looking forward to engaging you in this study next week on Moody Presents. I'm John Gager, hoping you'll join us then. And by the way, we're going to continue with our Founders Week messages from the past all the way up to the present. So be part of it all, won't you? As you're back next week for Moody Presents, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.